Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 17. The book of 1 Kings and chapter number 17. We are in the very beginning stages of our series of the life and ministry of Elijah and Elisha. And as we go through here, we understand that this is a dark time in the period of the history of Israel, that the kingdom of Israel has been divided into two parts. You have the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel or Samaria. And the northern kingdom of Israel had 18 kings. Each one of them are evil. And now we come to the evilest of, of the time up to this point where it was evil king Ahab. And the Bible speaks about King Ahab is that he was a man who had provoked the Lord and not just provoked the Lord. He provoked the Lord God to anger more than any king that came before him. It was already bad enough that he had already uh, got in the practice of worshiping God however he saw fit. Just as long as he called himself a believer, as long as he tacked on in Jesus name and put lip service to whatever he is doing. But then the Bible says, as if it were a light thing, he married Jezebel. And after marrying Jezebel, he declared God was dead and began to serve Baal and serve a false god. And now it is a time where people are disobedient. People are disillusioned. People no longer want to follow the Lord. And it is in the darkest time that God has sent his man, Elijah. And Elijah came and he pointed his old finger inside of the face of King Ahab and said, it will not rain until I say. And then said, see you later and goodbye. Now during this time, God is hiding and protecting his man. And we saw this morning that God had put Elijah near the brook Cherith and told him to stay there for until God told him otherwise. And there he was to be obedient and just wait. And he had no newspaper. He had no internet. He had no cell phone coverage. He's all by himself with no interaction with anyone else. And we see that the only job of a servant is not to serve. It is to obey. And his master told him to stay there and to obey. And that's where he stayed. And he was fed by ravens. And again, we explained what a great miracle that was. Because ravens are not a natural helper. The Bible says they don't even feed their young. And yet God used this bird miraculously. Or these birds miraculously. To give them every morning bread and meat. And it lasted for many days. And so as we come back to the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 17, we could see now the brook is beginning to dry up. But God has not left his man by himself, but has another plan to take care of him in these days. Notice with me as we pick it up in the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 17. The book of 2 Kings, chapter 17, and notice with me in verse 8. 2 Kings, chapter 17, and verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, 
the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she went, was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but bring me therefore, thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Thou Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode, and he laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, thou Hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come back into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house, and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said unto Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and the word of the Lord is <laughs> in thy mouth is truth. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17? In the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, and notice with me in verse number 12, notice what oddly enough the widow woman says, and it reference to God, as the Lord thy God liveth. As the Lord thy God liveth. And with the Lord's help, we are so thankful we have a living God. We mentioned it this morning that the, <laughs> the Lord liveth. Once again, we see this idea here, as the Lord thy God liveth. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again that we come and we see a living Savior. 
we know that you are alive. We can see that you're still at work. And we can trust you that you still have the power to work. The power to do miracles. The power to take care of us on a daily basis. I'm asking that we would remember day by day that we serve a living Savior. That our God is alive. And that we can trust you in all things. We could trust you in the big things. We could trust you in the mundane things. We could trust you in the common everyday things. I'm asking, Lord, that we would be a type of people and develop this daily trust dependence upon you. As we open up the scripture, I'm asking that it would be clear that my tongue would be able to communicate what the scriptures say in a way that would be a help to these dear folks, that it would be there to be used to get the idea in their mind of what this account, this historical event is. And because of it, we trust you even more. Bless your word. Fill me with your spirit. Direct my thoughts. Direct my paths. You put everything in order. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we know that God had placed Elijah and hid him for a good amount of time. He was outside of the brook of Cherith, and every morning the ravens would come and give him bread and meat. Every night the ravens would come and give him bread and meat. And he drank water from the brook. And it may have been subtle, but eventually the brook began to lower down in its water table. Day by day, it went down more and more and more until it was nothing but a trickle. Elijah during that time is all by himself, no one to talk to. He didn't even get to hear the weather channel. He had nothing to communicate. And he just watched this brook dry up. Surely in his time, if he was like you or I, probably wonder, what's going to happen now? What's happening next? I've been going all this day being fed by ravens. How is God going to supply now? Well, God already had in mind what he was going to do. And we see that God had prepared both him and the widow woman and was preparing them to meet. If you don't mind, the very first thing I'd like to show you here is the widow's stay. The widow's stay. Notice with me, if you don't mind, as God now instructs Elijah in verse number 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there, and I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, in verse number 9, we could see some very important things. We could see, first of all, the location of where he's supposed to go. God says, I know where you're supposed to go, and I know the exact address. I want you to go to Zarephath, which is known of Zidon. Now, if you're familiar with Bible geography, you would understand that Zidon is not a part of Hebrew, of the Israelite nation. It's not part of the northern kingdom. It's not part of the southern kingdom. But in fact, it is part of a northern uh, nation north of Israel that we would know as Phoenicia. In fact, it happens to be the home country of Jezebel. Now, isn't it like God's sense of humor? God is saying, hey, I'm going to hide you from Jezebel, and I'm going to put you in the last place where she'll ever look. She'll never go back home to her home to look for you. So that's where I'm going to place you. Okay. And so he goes in, and he goes and finds it. Then God says, I'm going to have a widow woman taking you. Now again, I don't know what Elisha was thinking. All I can know is my own brain. And maybe perhaps Elijah was thinking in his own mind, hmm, 
a widow woman's going to sustain me. Maybe perhaps things are going to look up. Maybe there's a rich guy who died and he left a widow woman and she's got a big mansion and empty house and plenty of food and servants. All right, I've been waiting out here eating nothing but little pieces of bread and, and these flesh for a while. Maybe now, maybe now it's the time that God's going to open up the storehouse and I'm going to ready. Yes. All right, it's time to move. So he packs up his all of his stuff probably just puts it over his bag all right let's go and he makes the trek all the way up to Zarephath and so he's going to Zarephath he's getting ready to go to the city and again I don't know what you're thinking of or what you would be thinking of but maybe he's passing all the the in the town he's looking at the big houses and saying, I wonder which one she lives in and he steps into Zarephath and he looks around and the Holy Spirit of God says that's her all right, what does she look like? What is going on with this widow woman? Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 10. It says, So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. So he goes and he's looking around. Which one is it? And God says, that's her. And this is a lady that's worse off than him. I mean, he's been sustained out in the wilderness for a while, and he's, he doesn't, uh, hasn't been eaten much, so he can't be that plump. But he's looking at this lady, and she's worse off than him. Again, isn't that like God to use the most unusual suspect? Instead of the richest person in town, God puts him to the poorest person in town. And here's this little old lady that's out and about, and she's gathering sticks. And with this, she's planning on building her last fire and using the last ingredients to make the last little bit of bread that he, she and her son are going to have. And her plan is once this is over, they're going to lay down and they're going to die. That's how bad off she is. She is starving. She is weak. And just a couple of days away from death of starvation. Again, I don't know what you're thinking, but... Maybe Elijah's more spiritual than me, but looks at this, sees the poorest lady, this lady sticking bones, getting ready to die herself. And God says, that's who's going to take care of you. Okay, Lord. All right. And so he goes off by faith. And notice as he calls to her in verse number 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and he came to the gate of the city, and behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now again, this is a big deal. Remember, they're in a, in a drought. Let's say that two years have passed. That's quite a long time without water. So water is a precious commodity. And so he tests first the obedience before he starts saying, hey, you're going to take care of me. Maybe we should kind of see in how she's going to do first. And so he just asked as a stranger, can you fetch me some water? And instead of her fighting and said, listen here, you don't understand the price of water. You don't understand how rare water is. What he saw is he, she had enough faith and enough um, grace to step up to and say, fine, I'll go get you some water. And as soon as she began to obey, he decided, well, let's follow this up. 
In verse number uh, 10 at the end of it, he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. So as she goes, all right, I'll go get you some water. As she's walking away, he says, wait a second, as you're going, can you get me something to eat? You can almost see her kind of turn around and face him and explain the situation. Notice with me in verse 12. And as she said... As the Lord thy God liveth. Now may I pause there and mention once again where they are located. They are not located in Jerusalem where everyone's following the Lord. They're not located in the northern kingdom where at least people gave lip service. They are in a heathen Gentile nation. And she looks at the preacher who by the way, is probably wearing traditional Hebrew garb so she could tell who this is. But notice she says, as the Lord thy God liveth. Notice in verse number 12, it uses the word Lord. You see it in capital letters. In the authorized version, that's one way for us to understand that it is using the personal name of God, Jehovah. So here is a heathen lady who is calling and set up like your personal God, Jehovah as he lives, as thy God lives. She's recognizing and saying, hey, as your God liveth, I'm letting you know I don't have a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks for me and my son that we may eat it and die. So here's the scene. Elijah comes into town. He sees this little widow woman who's worse off than him. And she's picking up some sticks. And he says, can you get me some water? She goes, I'll go do that. Maybe she was thinking, well, I'm not going to need the rest of my water. We're going to die tomorrow anyways. So let's just see how it goes. And so she she's, begins to walk off. He says, hey, can you also get me something to eat? She turns around and says, listen, I don't want to break the bad news to you, but I don't have anything. I don't have a cake. I just have some ingredients. I'm going to go home, use what we have left. Me and my son are going to eat it. We're going to die. That's it. I'm sorry. Can't help you. But notice as Elijah continues on. He says in verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, and go and do as thou hast said. Or as thou hast said. So go ahead and go make yourself a cake like you just said. But make me a little cake first. And bring it unto me. And after make for thee and for thy son. Now notice this. He says go ahead and do what you said you were going to do. But make me something first. Now he's not saying it as a selfish thing. It has the idea here of putting God first. Honoring God first. Putting him first. The Bible talks about Jesus himself. Said seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And then all these things shall be added. God has always given the principle of first fruits. That we honor him first in everything we do. That we honor him first in our giving. The tithe belongs to the Lord. That's something that God says give me first. What happens if we pay everyone else first and look. Then there's usually not enough to pay the Lord. But there's something amazing that as you honor him first. God supplies and meets the needs and you say, I don't know how it works out, but it always does. God is always good in that. That's something about seeking God first. There are sometimes people said, I can't afford to tithe. You know, if there was someone that could not afford to tithe, it'd be this little widow woman. But notice he's not asking him for 10%. He's almost asking for it all. She only has enough to make for her and her son and they're going to share it. 
But he says, go ahead and make me one first. Will you honor God first? This is more than just a 10%. This is something that's really big he's asking. But I'm so glad that God doesn't leave it just a blind faith. It's not the idea, listen here, you put God first. But notice he gives a promise of God to go along with it. And verse 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Now, before she ever did anything, he went alongside and gave her this promise. Make me one first. And if you honor the Lord, let me tell you what's going to happen. Your meal, it's not going to waste. It means it's not going to spoil. It's not going to rot. And your cruise of oil is not going to fail not. And it's going to last until the rain comes. He gave her a promise to back it off of. It's not the idea she's stepping on blind faith. She's basing her decision now off of a promise of God. And as she's standing on the promise of God, she has nothing else to live or to lose. I can't trust the Zidonian gods. Baal's not working, obviously. He's not bringing the rain. Remember, Baal is the thunder god. It was his job to bring the rain. And Baal has been missing for quite a while. So Baal hasn't worked. Let me see if this Hebrew god will work. This Hebrew, this preacher came and gave me a promise from the Hebrew god. Let's see how it works. And so notice as she steps out by faith. In verse number 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he, which he spake by Elijah. Now this is how it worked out. So she goes home and she goes, all right. Let's try this. She looks back and she looks at just a little meal. And says, I think I got just enough for a cake. Let's try it. So she goes in and scoops what she has and puts it in. And she looks and says, maybe there's enough for me too. She takes her cruise of oil and says, eh, there's just a little bit. And so she puts it in, makes a cake and prepares it for the preacher. Then she looks down and says, all right, well, let's get this for me and my son. And she takes it. And looks, maybe there's enough for tomorrow for me. Maybe. She looks at the oil and said, all right, well, there's a couple drops left. Let's see how that goes. And she makes a cake and eats. And they eat their meal. The next day she looks down and says, you know, let's see how this works out. And so she scoops up, takes a little bit of oil, puts it, makes it for preacher. I think maybe there's enough for me and my son. And so she takes it, makes it. Maybe there's enough for tonight. And that's what God did. God did not fill up the barrel. He did not fill up the cruise of oil. It was just enough for just one more. Just enough for one more. He stretched it out. And he made it so it didn't rot. That it didn't wither away. It didn't get moldy. He didn't have to throw it out. He stretched it out. He made that oil last for months. If not years. You understand, this is a miracle. This is a big miracle. I understand you may not equivalent to the same of crossing the Red Sea. But when you have nothing, this is a big deal. And God is supplying the need. His daily needs. And He's doing it supernaturally. They did not have to go to Walmart. They looked 
And there was just enough for one more. And just enough for one more. And just enough for one more. You understand how weak our faith is sometimes? Is that we're expecting the barrel to be full. And we're disappointed that it's not. But yet this is a big miracle that every day you could take a little bit. And every day it take a little bit. You understood if that barrel was full, we'd stop depending on God. We'd depend on the barrel. But because there was just enough for one more, they had to pray. God got to make this last. I don't know how it's going to work, but you're going to have to make it last. And God did. 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 This is a big deal. And you know what God is doing? Is once again, he's working with Elijah with the same lesson we talked about this morning. He's teaching the man of God. He's teaching the believer to trust God for his daily provisions, for that miracle supply daily. And when you get in the habit of trusting God on a daily basis, it is not a big step to trust God for those big things that come occasionally within our lives. You learn to trust him day by day. Not moment, not event by an event, you're living day by day trusting in Him, believing in Him, and honoring God first, and looking at Him. You understand, the promise is still fulfilled that I'd open up you the windows of heaven. God did bless. She did not have to buy the oil. She did not have to buy the meal. God is supplying, rather than just giving her $100 a day, He's supplying for her in a major way, in a way that she could not afford herself. Because she obeyed and put God first. She put God first. God doesn't provide all we need at once. But He does supply enough to take a step. Then he supplies for us to take another step, and then another step, and another step, and another step. So the story goes on. We see, first of all, the widow stay, and then we see the widow's son. Well, after taking all those little steps of faith and trusting God step by step by step, a big event finally came. Notice with me, if you don't mind, as we continue this in verse number 17. And it came to pass... After these things, so it means that there's a time that went on. As God had supplied, God continued to supply. Notice this. <laughs> that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. May I translate? He's dead. If you're not breathing, you're dead. So she's, she's probably done everything. She's checked on him. He's not breathing. He's not fogging a mirror. He's not faking it. He's not trying to sleep in. He's dead. And of course, she's upset. Wouldn't you be upset? This is a traumatic event. And so, notice what happens in verse 18. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, old thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Now, the old adage that you see is when all else fails, blame the preacher. And so she went and said, listen, why did you do this to me? Did you come to bring up my past? Now, as far as we know, Elijah never brought up anything about her past. But 
God had been working in, when remember, when God's working, his purpose is to draw people close to him. And a part of that is his presence brings a convicting work. And so she'd already been thinking about it. And then her son died and immediately says, is this punishment? Is this because of my sins? Is this all stacking up because of what happened? Notice again, as she says in verse number 18, and she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Are you coming to do all of this just to kill my son? Why? And he said unto her, verse 19, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode. So, she has a small little hut. He's been staying out in the barn. He has a bed that's up in the loft. And he takes and carries the son and brings him up to the loft where he abode. And he laid him, the son, upon the bed. And he cried upon the Lord and said, O oh Lord my God, hast thou also uh, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? Now he's saying, God, I don't know what's going on. You promised to take care of the lady and her son, and now this evil has come. And he says, God, you got to do something about this. Now, let me take a pause here and say that God was not being evil and God was not being bad. And he was not doing this in order to punish the lady. But instead, he's doing all of these things. All things work together for good to them that love God. He's doing this to bring her to a faith in him. A trust in him. She's been watching everything work for day after day after day. But God wants to have that relationship. Wants to show himself real to her in an intimate way. And so he's allowed this to happen for the purpose of allowing her to trust in God more. Notice as it goes on. Verse number 21. And he stretched himself upon the child three times. And cried upon the Lord and said, Oh Lord my God, I pray thee. Let this child's soul come unto him again. Now, this is kind of an unusual thing. Here's the preacher. He has the young boy there. And he's praying. And he lays himself upon the boy. And he gets up and he prays and lays himself on the boy. And some people say, is this some kind of secret way of healing people? Is this kind of some secret thing? Is this what we're supposed to have as a back room? And someone's sick that we just kind of lay upon them? Are we transferring any glory and grace from us? Is, is the preacher that holy that just touching the child? In fact, it's quite the opposite. According to the Hebrew law, that in order for a Hebrew person to stay clean, they cannot touch any dead body. And not only did he receive the body from the widow woman, he spread himself upon the body pictorially, defiling himself he is now unclean but at the same time what this is a picture and what it's saying is that it is not my goodness it is not my cleanness I've defiled myself it's not my righteousness the law can't take care of this my righteousness my good works can't do this the only thing that will work is God's grace God answer this prayer not because of whom I am don't God Answer this prayer not because I deserve it. God, answer this prayer because you are gracious. 
because you are good, because you are right. You answer this and you get all the credit from it. It is not me, it is you. Answer this prayer. So what did God respond after this? It says, verse 22, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. It wasn't because of Elijah, and it wasn't because he had the secret phone number of how to pray and get a hold of God. It was because of God's graciousness. It was because of who God is. And Elijah took the child and brought him down to the chamber of the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said unto Elijah, by, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God. Now before she believed it, but now she goes, I know. That word know means I have evidence of. I have proof of it. I know that thou art a word, man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. She goes, this was the incident that made me trust God and his servant. Trust God in his word. I believe him now. I, I know that he is there. All of this was prep work. That all during this time, Elijah thinks that God is just taking care of him. Where in fact, God is still reaching out to the lost. God is still reaching out to others. And he's using this time to reach out to a widow woman who has nothing, who is ready to starve to death. And he's used her to see this great miracle, daily miracle, and then the miracle of her son. That God is good and that God is right. That God hears and answers prayer. And he wants to prove himself as a true and a living God. Do you know that God wants to show himself to you as a living God? And in order to do that, we need to put him first. Trust him at his word. Depend upon him on our daily needs. And God will prove himself over and over with the big things as well. God wants to show himself real. He is a miracle working God. He wants to do so much in your life. But it starts with the daily. Daily put him first. Daily honor him. Daily depend upon him. And when you are used to depending him on the daily, it is no big deal to trust him for those days that are unusual, that are out of sorts. Because we have a true and living God. Remember that Ahab said, God's no longer real. Let's go serve this other God. People have been behaving themselves as if God's not real. But God wants to show everyone there is a true and living Savior. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 920- 
920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.